and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about cabins. Now, these have made a big splash in the Property Academy podcast community after we talked about these at one of our most recent webinars, the one with Ilsa Wolf, where she talked about adding an extra cabin onto a property in order to be able to increase the rent as part of cash flow hacking. Now, it's quite funny because we had another instance, which Andrew's going to tell you about in a minute, with an investor also in the cabin business. Andrew, intro this for us. So it's quite funny. Just last week, I had a new investor to Opus come and have a chat to us, and she was telling me about how she rents out these cabins. Now, afterwards, I said, Ed, you need to ring this lady and get a bit more information because we'll do a podcast on it. But while I was having this conversation with her, there was about 10 minutes while I was trying to wrap my head around it, and there was quite a misunderstanding. So she said that she rents out these things for $75 a week, which sounds cheap. And I said, well, where do you keep them? And she said, oh, you know, we've got this commercial premises where, where my husband's building business operates from. We've got them all out the back there. And so in my mind, I was thinking she had 30 of these things all out the back. And she said, one of her kids lives in one of them, which I thought was a great idea. I said, where does everyone go to the bathroom? And she goes, well, he just comes into the house. I said, well, what about everyone else? And she said, well, they go into their house as well. And I'm thinking, they must have they must have like a ticket system where you have to go in. You've got five minutes to use the bathroom. You've got to get back out. So the next person can go in. Ed's clarified this. They rent them out to other people who then get to rent them out. So might not have been my finest of uh, intelligent moments, but I did understand afterwards now that that makes a lot more sense. Now, the great thing about speaking to Kylie, and Kylie, thank you so much for having that conversation with me, is that we've got a lot of numbers about how this works and some numbers about, well, if you rent out a cabin for $75 a week and put it on your investment property, ballpark, what are we looking at for increasing that rent? Now, actually, just having said what you were talking about before with having 30 cabins on one particular (laughs) plot of land, a family member of mine used to run, I think it was called the King Edward Park, which is in Harborough. It was the campground there. So certainly, while that was owned by the council, there may be a business model in it for people, you know, having a whole heap of cabins in a shared bathroom premises. There's probably somebody listening to the show who's already running one of these. And you being such a mind. I could imagine you living in one of those. So long as it had Wi-Fi connection, you'd pee into a bottle if you had to just to save, save $200 a week. Absolutely false. You paint the worst picture of me for people listening. Now, let's get in this. First of all, walk us through, Andrew, what sort of cabins are we talking about? And then what does it cost to procure one of these cabins, either to rent or buy them? Okay, so these cabins are well kitted out. So they meet healthy homes requirements. They're still framed, got pink bats, they're 10 square meters generally speaking with a sliding door and panel heaters that's all that's required to meet the healthy home standard there is no plumbing it is just a box and no council consent needed because of those changes that the council made last year sometime yeah that was i believe the building ministry of building or something along those lines and then in terms of what it costs to get one of these things. So they're about 14k if you want to buy one outright. If you're renting one from someone like Kylie's business, there's $75 a week to rent, which I think is very reasonable and great not having to shell out that initial amount. You just tap that onto the price that you're going to rent it out for. $250 delivery fee. So it's cheap. So if you're going to buy one outright, it will take you about three and a half years of renting it to, to pay it back. So, so I think for people that want to dabble, 
renting's a great option. Now, just in terms of what the cash flow looks like, and it does depend on where you are. I know when we went through the details with Ilsa's example, the sleep out alone or the cabin alone that she brought onto that property, and she actually purchased that one, I think for the 14K, that added about $220 a week to that property. Now that's a great whack of rent compared to, you know, if it was the equivalent of $75 paying it out in order to rent it. Now, when I just look at the country as a whole, the median three-bed property is about $496 a week rent is what it collects, while a four-bedroom property, on average, $608 a week to rent that here in New Zealand. So if you just added on the cabin, you could take as a ballpark average, it might add something like $112 to your property just by putting that sleep out on. Now, if you're thinking about paying $75 a week in order to be able to rent that, that's an instant $37 that you're able to collect each week. You get your extra $112, pay your $75 for the cabin to the person you're renting it off. And $75, by the way, in terms of renting these things does seem to be the market rate. I've shopped that around on a couple of websites. We're looking at almost two grand a year that you're able to get extra rent on this property just by banging that sleep out on and somebody paying for it. So definitely can be worth it, especially if you're thinking about these changes to the taxation. It's about a 50% return on investment because you're getting an extra $112 a week and for that you've got to spend roughly $75 a week. Now, one thing I do just want to say, and I realise this is going to be a bit obvious, but which properties are actually able to use this sort of strategy? Apartments. No, obviously not <laughs> apartments. You know, if you've got an apartment, it's not like you're going to whack a cabin onto your car Balcony. park, you know, or something <laughs> like You know, you're not going to bang it in your car park and have somebody live down there. It would potentially be a very long run up the stairs to the bathroom, to the fourth floor or wherever your apartment is. But it is going to be standalone houses with a little bit of land where you're going to be able to get this on. And most people, most investors, I read some stats the other day, it's something like 75% of investors are buying standalone houses. So People who have accumulated a portfolio, it's probably you guys. It's not going to be for your townhouses or your apartments. Actually, you've just reminded me of a story. So I am deviating a little bit, but I'm sure the listeners won't mind for the next couple of minutes. So one of the old business partners and Opus partners, I met him originally in Tauranga and he was a builder there and said, I want to come and work with you guys. He's coming along to our seminars, drunk the Kool-Aid and said, right, I want to be part of this crew. And so we said, we're not interested in having someone in Tauranga but we'd be interested in starting up in Auckland or growing our Auckland office. He said, right, I'll be there this afternoon. Literally went to his building site, quit his job <laughs> before we'd <laughs> offered him a job and drove to Auckland. Now, he actually slept in his car in our car park for a number of weeks before <laughs> I found out about it and was using the office as basically his bathroom and shower and everything like that. Now, that is dedication. <laughs> Now, one of the other cool things about adding a cabin is that as a landlord, you're not just necessarily marketing this to tenants as an extra bedroom. There are a couple of other ways that you can market it in order to make the property attractive to prospective tenants. So some of the things that you could do to kind of make your property stand out is advertise, obviously, the extra bedroom. But what about things like a home office? So these are excellent for home offices, particularly 
in the post-COVID world where we are working from home a lot more. Maybe you can also run it as a commercial premises. And Ed's going to be the example of a lash studio. So obviously he's been getting his lashes done at the weekend. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's because Kylie was mentioning that some of the people who have taken this on have started lash studios out of it. That's right. where you, that, you know, obviously you I, get your I know, eyelashes I know, extended. I know what it is. Oh, you've done it before. <laughs> and maybe just a workspace or a hobby room for retirees or the kids or something like that. So you can use these as an extra selling point for your property if there are lots of the same type of property available for rent right now. And actually, I really like the model of being able to rent things because you can use them while appropriate. So uh, right now, there seem to be uh, quite a few tenants who are looking for, you know, furniture packs, which aren't always the case. And, and there might be someone that wants, you know, a few extra appliances like a fridge freezer, which won't be necessarily included in a normal rental package. Now, some of my investors have said, well, do I go out and buy those things? I think if you can rent them, so we, we actually contacted Mr. Rentals to do a deal on such things. You don't have to put any initial outlay and you can just take those things in and out as you need to based on a tenant's needs. These type of cabins are exactly the same. You can advertise it and say, you know, for an extra for an extra $150 a week, you can have an extra bedroom. Now, some of the things you've got to think about though, if you're listening to this and saying, yeah, I'm going to go get some cabins, bang them on my properties. Now, first of all, you've got to think, well, can you actually get it into your specific property? Because often if you've got to put this cabin at the bank, in the backyard, which is pretty typical, you do have to crane it over the corner of the house. Now, the cranes that are being used in this case are usually only about three metres tall, depending on which company you're going with. So you are going to want to double check that you can actually crane it on to your property. Perhaps if your property is two stories and awkwardly shaped and there's not really a way to get it in, perhaps that might be a bit of a deal breaker. Is that still $250 delivery fee? That includes the crane for most of these companies. that's cheap. Yeah, very affordable. The other thing you want to think about is that if you are going to look for a cabin that has some plumbing in it, you're going to need council consent and that is going to increase your cost quite substantially. Buying a cabin actually with plumbing within it is actually not the expensive thing. It's only about an extra 4K, might be 18 grand. But once you start adding in those council costs, that's where it'll start to spiral. Some other things you've got to think about is you've got to make sure that that sleep out or the cabin is close enough to the house so that people are able to run into the bathroom or in for dinner. (laughs) Just some simple things about where you place it. And two other things. First of all, electricity. So in order to be able to power this, usually the cabins will have like a caravan style socket that gets plugged in. Now you're going to have to run a heavy duty extension cord either from a bedroom or through a window or some way from perhaps a garage to that cabin so that it's actually got some power in it. So that's going to be really important to just think about, well, where am I going to be able to plug that in? Is that going to be a good solution? You know, you don't want an extension cord hanging out the bedroom window necessarily because then you can't shut the bedroom window without getting rid of the extension cord. So you just, some things that just a bit practical. One other thing you're going to have to check yourself is any insurance. You're still going to want to have contents insurance on the sleep out. You'll just need to check in with your insurance company or at least your tenants will need to check in with their insurance company to make sure that they're covered in that case as well. But talk to us as well, Andrew, if you want to get one of these cabins, where can you get them from? Or what are some of the suppliers that we've kind of got some good confidence in? 
So if you're in the Kapiti Coast, you can talk to Gardner Homes, which is Kylie's company, and obviously these guys have the rental option. For purchasing them in Auckland and Henderson, there's Dreamtime Cabins, that's who Elsa Wolf uses, and if you listen to the last webinar, watch the last webinar, that was the one that we spoke about there, and Opus have a discount, $300 off the purchase price if you're buying one without plumbing, $500 if you're buying one with plumbing. Now, one of the other things that I thought was really interesting when I was on the phone having a wee chit-chat to Kylie was that this is another property-type business, renting out these cabins, which can help to build a bit of a passive income. So I know Kylie, and thank you for allowing me to share this, You know, have 30 cabins out there that they're renting to different people. I know they cost about seven grand to make and they're obviously doing that themselves because they've got a building company themselves or a development company. And once you take off the GST of renting these out, you rent it out for about $65 a week. And so once you calculate that, it takes about two years for the cabin to pay for itself. Now, there aren't any other costs other than getting the cabin there in terms of the person making them. So after that, it can become pure profit. Obviously, you've just got to wait out those two initial years for that money to come back in. So it can become quite a tidy source of passive income. And I'm not telling everybody listening to the show, I'm not saying to you, go start a cabin business, go build some cabins, because the numbers work in this specific situation because they've got building skills and they've got the equipment all there and they've got the infrastructure to be able to do it. But it's an interesting case study of what can be done through property in another way to build a passive income other than just investing. And I found that really quite impressive. Just two things as well, if you're thinking about this sort of business, obviously insurance is a big one. So for Kylie or Gardner Homes, in order to be able to insure these, it would cost them about 4k per year to have that cabin on somebody else's land and them insuring it for things like fire in that instance. And so they self-insure, they're not using an insurance company in case something bad happens to that, just because it's not really worth insuring. So there's a bit of risk there. And the other thing you've just got to consider about if you're renting any of your assets in this sort of way, whatever it happens to be, is the risk of payments not being made. And that is something to consider if you're renting out, say, a $75 cabin to somebody who is a tenant themselves or anything like those. One other thing, sorry, Andrew, just before you jump back in, that I want to mention is they have been contacted by some tenants who want to rent one of these and put it on their rental property. And of course, Gardner Homes always say, well, have you contacted your landlord yet? So you might just want to think about your tenancy agreements and not allowing your tenants to necessarily go out and rent their own cabin and putting it on your property. You probably want to exclude that and be doing that yourself. And he's right. We applaud Kylie for kind of thinking outside the box or, or cabin. And this also says, <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? And using a different type of property to generate some income. But it's not for everyone. And even Kylie and I were talking about, you know, some of the potential risks that might not be included in this. Like, for example, the council making some changes again. Like we did that podcast on tiny homes a wee while ago. And if, if this fell under the category of tiny homes later on and there was some scrutiny around it, you wouldn't want to hang your hat on it. So that's where I think for a a lot of people listening, rent one could be a great option. So what you're telling me, Andrew, is I shouldn't go buy a piece of land, chuck 30 of these cabins on there and put a couple of portaloos on. Honestly, I was half expecting you to decide to put one at the bottom of my section down there. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to discuss, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Whip out your phone, send us a message. It'd be great to hear from you. Thank 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.